Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. Well, actually, today I'm actually somewhere in Hawaii. I hope everybody's having an awesome day in Alaska. I heard it's snowing, snowing, and snowing. If you listen, watch, or read Must Read Alaska, I want to thank you for doing so. If you want to help keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, just go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side, there's a little donate button every $5, $10, $100 helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. But without further ado, we have a very special guest today, Natalie Winters, who is the, the co-host and executive editor of The War Room and who has launched her brand new entrepreneur uh, side gig, which we will talk about uh, soon. It's, it's quickly coming to be probably more than a side gig, but but welcome to the <laughs> Mustard Alaska show, Natalie. Hi, thank you so, so much for having me. I'm so excited to do this interview with you. Well, I'm super excited you're here for folks that have been hiding under a rock, you need to go check out The War Room. It's one of the biggest shows, podcasts in the U.S., probably around the world. Tell me a little bit about what got you first into the podcast kind of news business. I'd love to hear the story. Sure. So this is actually a very fun story. So my, I don't, I never like to call him my co-host because I feel like that's demeaning to Steve Bannon, though technically <laughs> I guess he is, right? He is my co-host. Um, but I was working for Raheem Kassam. People may know him. He used to be one of Steve's old co-hosts too. He ran the Breitbart London Bureau back in the day. And I was just kind of getting my start as an investigative reporter. It was during, you know, prime COVID years. Uh, so the Chinese Communist Party was on the forefront of everyone's mind. That was what a lot of my stories had to do with how they, they were infiltrating the United States. Um, I remember I was giving Raheem a hard time. I was like, I want to go on War Room. I want to talk about my stories because he kept going on the show to talk about my stories. And I was like, you know what? Like, I want to try media. I've never done it before. Honestly, I, I think Raheem thought that I was going to be really bad at doing media, <laughs> which is funny. And because I'm very different, like off air, I'm a lot more chill but you know i'm sure you know how it is when the camera turns on not that it's fake but I, even my mom was like i don't even recognize you so i kept hammering him to come on the show and i did one hit talking about one of my pieces fun fact my wi-fi in my house at the time was down so i had to do it at a friend's house and i did it standing at their kitchen counter because we didn't have a chair so it was like super budget super ratchet um but from then on Steve, who, despite what the mainstream media says, has been the most empowering and kind, supportive person to really have that I've ever worked with, um, had me on, I think, like every day uh, from then on. I ended up kind of going back to college. To I, I was concurrently working for War Room behind the scenes sort of as a staff writer um, while finishing up school in Chicago. So I share your pain with the cold weather, though I'm envious that you're in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, and... Once I graduated, Steve was like, I really want you to join as a co-host. So I stayed with Raheem for a little bit longer, but then eventually I, I made the jump because honestly, I realized, as I'm sure you are with this podcast too, like written content is just not really what people are interested in reading and clicking on. Believe me, much to my dismay, because I love me a good investigative uh, reporting story. But I, I sort of realized the, the changing times. So I joined War Room as its co-host and 
it's been a blast. I'm 22 and I've only ever worked for Steve Bannon and Raheem Kassam. So it's quite an interesting resume. <laughs> yeah, you got a, you got quite the resume starting out there. I'm sure you've had like your laundry list of just amazing, epic guests. What has been one of your favorite guests so far? And tell me a little bit about why they're your favorite. Ooh, that's such a good question. It's so fun. I don't usually get to do um, interviews like this. So I don't even, the war room is very intense, right? You leave the show probably <laughs> feeling worse than when you first started. Um, I really love, so sometimes when Steve is out, um, whether he's traveling or if he's in court or dealing with a legal battle or, you know, legal meeting, something like that, of one of the many cases that are ongoing against him, um, I get to host the show and I have free reign to bring on whatever guests I want. Um, and it's really fun for me to bring on people who have never been on the war room before, not only because the audience gets to meet and interact with new people, um, but it's really inspiring for me because I know, you know, Steve and Raheem, they all took a chance on me when I was at the time, just an 18, then 19 year old girl, you know, who's just interested in conservative politics. So it really was a, a full circle moment, I would say about a month ago, um, I was blessed to have a 16 year old total patriot, you know, active political guy from Arizona, um, Nico Delgado, come on the show to talk about the activism that he was doing in Arizona. Um, and watching him talk, he was so articulate, so smart, so on the issues. Uh, it was the first time that I had ever had someone who was younger than me <laughs> on the show and made nice. me feel really old. Um, but it was full circle, and, and that was kind of the moment that I realized I've been blessed with such a wonderful platform that it's so amazing to be able to share it with other people. That's awesome. So you you stand up for freedom every day. It's part of your job description. What kind of advice would you give for folks that um, maybe feel beat up because they've been sticking up for freedom in their own little, um, you know, neck of the woods? And it's tough sometimes, you know, you get beat up on Facebook or, you know, maybe it's not the cool thing to do. How do you keep going and what's some advice you give for folks that are feeling maybe beat up and, and, and uh, disheartened? If you're feeling beat up, it means you're doing something right, right? It means the system, it means you're over the target. It means the system is mad at you. So I think find solace, find peace and comfort and paradoxically the discomfort of going against the grain. Because when you look around and you see what the mainstream values represent, Right, whether it's the World Economic Forum wanting you to own nothing and be happy, whether it's kind of crazy, deranged gender madness. If what you're saying causes an existential threat, a shock to that system, then sign me up. And I also think, too, it's it's sort of coming to terms with and this is my broader philosophical approach to life. But, you know, not getting validation from others, being content within yourself. And if you're religious or spiritual finding a bigger purpose through those avenues too, because I think you sort of then devalue when other people give you criticism because your metric, right, for what you're saying, if it's good or not, or if it's true or not, or if it's, you know, serving a purpose, it doesn't become, oh, well, am I telling people what I, what I want them to hear? Am I just, you know, kind of regurgitating the mainstream narrative on certain things? It's, am I honoring my true authentic self? Am I honoring the truth? And, you know, like I said, if you have religious or spiritual beliefs and that way too. So I, I guess it's, you know, easier said than done when I have access to a platform like War Room. So, you know, if I'm getting attacked, for example, my new company that I just launched, they're, they're already <laughs> censoring the emails that I'm sending out, um, you know, but I can tweet about it and, and get mad at it. But I think it's really about understanding the moment in history, the time in history that we're in right now. 
right? I have always said, you know, we look back, we know socialism, communism, those you know horrible ideologies have failed. I really think that right now we are living through the time period where globalism is being tested. And I want to be able to look back and have my children, grandchildren, people down, down the road, be able to look back and be able to say that globalism did not work, right? This kind of outsourcing model, um, even I think the encroachment of the CCP authoritarian style tactics we see going on here in the United States, saying that that did not work. Because I think down the road, if we don't speak our truth, if we don't prevent that from happening, we're not even going to have the ability to say globalism didn't work because, you know, we're going to be not enslaved to these, you know, gulag type camps, but you're not going to have freedom of speech. We're not going to have the ability to even post that Facebook comment. So I think just appreciate all of the, you know, blood and treasure that has been spilled before us to get us to a point where we have the freedom of speech, the ability to, you know, say those comments on Facebook. So when someone gives you a little bit of, of pushback, like I said, it means you're doing something right. Well, um, so you're co-hosting The War Room, which is one of the biggest shows in the U.S., probably the world. And then you decide to start your own clothing <laughs> brand to add some more responsibility in the mix. Tell me, tell me, uh, take me back to that moment where you thought to yourself, I think I want to start my own clothing brand. What did that look like? What, what, why did you get spurred on to uh, quickly become an entrepreneur? So it was funny when I was getting ready to do this and do a whole kind of media blitz on launching the company, I was coming up with some of my talkers, you know, just like uh, guardrails, what I wanted to really, you know, brand the company as. And usually when I do the more political shows, I focus more on the American made aspect, the taking down the Chinese Communist Party, the going against the outsourcing. But since this is more of a, a fun interview, you get you guys get the real scoop. <laughs> um, so the, the truth behind it, um, it's sort of twofold. One, um, there's a shirt, there's a pretty viral picture of me, it says dump him. And it's a juicy couture shirt that was made famous by Paris Hilton. It's pink. Um, and I was wearing it because at the time, I was just getting out of a bad relationship. I was really mad at my ex, I was wearing the shirt to express myself. Um, but I, it was also during the same time that the House Speaker uh, race or Kevin McCarthy was potentially going to be voted out. So I was taking some pictures in the shirt and I later posted on social media and I was like, wait, this applies to Kevin McCarthy too. So it was in that moment that I realized there was this merger of sort of this, you know, cheeky, fun fashion um, in the political realm that wasn't so in your face because I think a lot of political apparel, and again, it's not even just conservative, but the free thinking, like for example, my shirt says low social credit score, a little bit conspiratorial <laughs> is one of the hats, you know, so it's just, it's fun. But there's sort of an esoteric double meaning to it. Um, that was when I realized that there was something, you know, to play with. And then all this, there's all these companies that like rip off my tweets or pictures of me and my designs and put them on T-shirts. So someone was already selling like the Natalie Winters dump him T-shirt. And I was like, hold up, I got to pounce on this. So anyways, long story short, some very interesting things happened with this now X and I ship my dog back to LA. I moved back here uh, from DC. And on the plane, the, the morning that I woke up, I was so sad. I just shipped my dog out. I was crying. I was on the phone with my mom, but because of the time change, it was too early. So I had like no one to call. And I was on the plane. I boarded the plane. I had no intention to do anything. And this was only like two or three months ago. And by the time that plane had touched down in Los Angeles, 
I had bought the domain name, made the logo, came up with the company name, had created most of the designs that we've gone with, the basic kind of structure, the branding, the social media accounts, um, because it goes back to what I was talking about in my previous question. And this is now getting super into my personal life. But, you know, I realized <laughs> for so long that I had been seeking validation from other people, which is funny given the line of work that I'm in. Um, and I was like, you know what? I am never going to get fulfillment or, or be content if I continue to pursue relationships, business, personal, or otherwise, with other people. I needed sort of a passion project to really devote myself to that the ROI, not even in financial way, but just purpose and passion and something that I, I just love doing and, and a creative outlet. Um, that's sort of how, how this was born. And now it's morphed into a, a beast as I'm speaking. I have people <laughs> packing orders. I feel like a, a CEO, girl boss, even though we don't like girl bosses, but it really was born out of a, a bad relationship. And the last thing I'll, I'll say on that too, is um, I remember when I was sort of on the outs with this said person who I'm sure eventually when I write, when I write my book, we'll, we'll dox them. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I had sort of thought that like, oh, maybe they're cheating on me. Or I don't know. And one of the girls had her own company. And I remember I was like really envious of, of her. And I was like, what about, like, why am I so not okay with this? And I realized too that, you know, envy, jealousy, while we don't like those, those are bad emotions that you can sort of reverse engineer, I think, what your life's hopes and dreams and passions are, right? When you realize if someone has something that, that makes you, oh, I wish I had that. And so I really wanted to convert those like, not ugly feelings, but just those human feelings of like, oh, I wish I had that into something positive. And I think that that's also what this brand represents too, is just having a happier take on life. And instead of going through and taking all this political stuff so seriously, wearing the t-shirts that are like, you know, FJB, which, you know, I'm all for that, but not making everything so divisive. That was also what I wanted to sort of set out to do. So that's my very long-winded, over overly personal answer to <laughs> nice. why I created this. <laughs> so you launched the, the, the clothing company. <laughs> Tell me about the feeling that you get when those four first orders arrive because you and I were chatting a little bit before and we're not talking about one or two orders. We're talking about a lot of orders. Tell me about that feeling when you sit back and realize, holy crap, this thing could have some legs to it. Yeah, we're talking about hundreds and we've only been in business a week, which is just absolutely, I mean, mind blowing. I don't even know what the right word is to use to describe it. Um, but I also think the coolest part too is that all this stuff is made in the United States. It's here in Los Angeles. It's super good quality. It's it's amazing. But the prices, if you look on the website, you wouldn't know. In other words, the business model that I have, what I was able to, to work with these suppliers on, um, it's actually not a ridiculous premium. So I think even the fun designs, my stuff aside, it really goes against, I think, the narrative that, you know, USA made has to be super expensive. It's sort of, I think, a shock to the system in, in that sense. And it's been really cool to work with these factories who are so committed to really bringing back an, an American, you know, kind of manufacturing renaissance. So me, taking me out of it, it's amazing to see that this business model doing USA made stuff actually works from a pricing perspective but oh my gosh when I got those orders like I said I thought we'd do like a few 
right? You know, you never know. And my phone literally like blowing up with notifications. Right. Like all the, the, the buzz, the, the notifications, um, which I'd say is a much better dopamine hit than any text I've ever received from a guy. Um, but it's, it's just, again, it's something so much bigger than me. Um, but it's, I mean, I've had orders from out of the country from all 50 states, you know, men ordering for women for their, I've gotten emails, someone just ordered shirts for their daughters. It's so cool to, I think, allow women the, the platform to express themselves clothing wise and fashion, fashionably and politically. And, and honestly, I always used to kind of like mock and laugh at the people who would say stuff like that. Like, oh, it's so cringe. It doesn't mean anything. But for so long, Right, people. I'm, I believed this stuff for most of my whole life. You know, I, I think most people are probably in the same boat. Obviously, there's some converters, and we always we always welcome those too. Um, but for so long, it's not just that the market has been untapped, but you know, you think about the graphic T-shirts that you see nowadays. Like if you were to walk into Urban Outfitters, Abercrombie and Fitch, it's not just that it's promoting you know the Pride Month stuff or you know values that again maybe some people are into that, but are, are at odds with, I would say, at least half of the country. But I also just think that there's a missed opportunity when you see graphic t-shirts that say like, you know, XOXO, it's like, I would argue we're living in a time of spiritual warfare, where if you have the chance to, you know, be an ambassador for your values and show off your stuff in style that, that you really should take that chance. And I think it's just really empowering to, to give women the chance to actually do that now. Because before, like I said, if you were to try to find women's conservative or free thinking apparel it just didn't exist and as you can probably gather from this interview not only am i a, a california crazy but i love the health and wellness stuff too um you know i hate seed oils for, for your audience who's familiar with that so like one of the hats somewhere behind me it's that one it's like <laughs> seed oil free wellness club and we have totes and sweatshirts and tank nice. and everything and that design too so it's just everything that is anti mainstream um which is probably why they're already censoring me um but it's it's just been an absolute blessing it's been so fun and i i feel bad for my mom who's helping me pack all the orders but <laughs> it's been so it's been so cool so tell tell folks where they can find uh your clothing brand uh give us a website social media handles Yes, I'll give you all the coordinates. So <laughs> she's so right. That's that's it's for War Room Posse listening. That's it. That's a Steve lift. Um, she's so right. Dot co, not dot com. I have to sue or <laughs> pay for that domain name. Um, but she's so right. Dot co is how you can get access to the shop. Uh, some of the items have already sold out, but you can pre-order. I just literally just placed the order for all the, the new stuff. So it's coming there. If you want to follow us on social media, it's shop. She's so right. That's a tongue twister. Uh, we're on basically every social media platform uh, ever. Um, and then my personal is Natalie G Winters on all platforms and war room is live somehow for four hours a day. Uh, it's mainly Steve hosting, but you can get that, uh, really anywhere except youtube or spotify because we're banned on there which tells well, you i guess is you're know. on rumble right rumble yeah. um real america's voice.news warroom.org it's aggregated as an apple podcast um nice. yes so there's going to be folks you know there's going to be folks listening in um that you know maybe are in college or just graduated high school and they're like thinking to themselves man i can't do everything that natalie's doing but what's some advice you'd give 
for those folks, right? Because they can do what you're doing. What's some advice you'd give to them to just start? You know, maybe they want to start a podcast or their own clothing brand or um, be a social media content creator. What's some advice you'd give to them? Well, I think you answered your own question. It's just start. And I know that's easier said than done, but my my niche advice, my more nuanced advice, I, again, I can only speak on being young and in, in the political space, is I would say two things. Is one, don't restrict yourself. Don't contain yourself just to the current environment that you're in. In other words, your college campus. I never wrote a single piece for my college newspaper, right? I didn't even major in journalism or do any of that stuff. I went straight to the big guys. And how I did that, literally a friend of mine just texted Raheem and was like, hey, do you want an intern for the summer? And it was as simple as that. People love free work. So capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And reach out, DM your favorite podcast host, DM whoever. You can always help someone, even if it's just a few hours a week on the side, you just have to get your foot in the door and then you can prove yourself. That's what I, I've learned. And honestly, I haven't used any of the stuff that I ever really learned from college. I had to, to <laughs> unlearn it and de-learn it. Um, but the other advice that I would give to, again, more specific to the, the journalism side of things, which is probably applicable to you know, all age ranges, is that don't do opinion commentary. Don't just you know do kind of generic, vague political commentary. I would say find a niche and exploit the heck out of it. Um, I really focused on the Chinese Communist Party and how they infiltrated the United States. That's what I really built my career on. Um, And I think that that raw, actual investigative reporting done with real news, real facts, real evidence, go to the Foreign Agent Registration Act database, go to the DOJ's website, get those filings, file FOIA requests, use the raw materials it's also easier because you don't have to write as much you just can copy and paste the the evidence um but that's what there really is an appetite and hunger for um so i would say stick to that and like i said just start just do something i i coded the website myself using shopify I, i i joke like starting a business in america is both the easiest thing and the hardest thing right like it's so easy because there's these wonderful platforms like Shopify that integrate everything for you and this and app and this app and you know that app. But then it's so hard because like the IRS and legal zoom suck and everything's so slow and it <laughs> takes forever to get stuff processed. So, but just start. And that's, it goes back to, to how we started this interview about the validation stuff. If the only thing holding you back is that you're scared of other people are going to judge you, you're going to look back 20, 30 years from now when those feelings have dissipated, because in the moment you care about what other people think of you, but 30 years down the road, you're going to be like, what a dumb excuse that was for not doing it. And honestly, I was sort of nervous that like my ex or whatever was going to be like, oh, what a grifter, like what a dumb clothing brand. Right. But I was like, you know what, I'm not going to let one person's opinion influence the trajectory of my life, because what I want to do with it, what I believe you believe in God, what, you know, his designs, whatever agency skill set he's given you, you have to be true to that. And like I said, 20 years down the road, you're always going to regret that you never emailed your favorite podcaster. Like I said, I DM'd you on Twitter, right? Yeah. I was like, what's the worst that happens if he doesn't <laughs> respond? He doesn't respond. So yeah. it's just like coming to terms with what the worst case is. And nine times out of 10, it's not really that bad. So you've been very successful 
uh, the last couple of years, who's somebody that you've looked up to, whether they're in the industry or not, maybe somebody that's been kind of like a hero to you and uh, why have they been that? Growing up, um, and I even told this to her face, I always wanted to be uh, Ann Coulter, which is funny and a very, very probably toxic person. Not many uh, young girls in California. I remember I made my dad drive me like two hours to go see her speak in, um, in Newport Beach. Um, but I always just looked up to her because she did all of her own work, right? She always wrote her books. She was always writing her op-eds. And I think she sort of merged that, uh, or rather fused humor, kind of ironic commentary, specifically with the issue of immigration. I've obviously kind of taken that approach more with the Chinese Communist Party stuff. Um, but I just think her her humor, her ability to really get the messages across on immigration in particular, obviously, she's disagree with her a little bit on politics now. Um, but she was who I always looked up to. And I remember this is a this is a funny story. There was a time when I was applying to college, which retrospectively, who cares? Um, but my mom was like, you need to, you know, do summer programs. So you're going to get into school. And I was like, whatever. Okay. So I did some like young women's leadership type, you know, the thing, you know, you, you know the scam uh, yeah. in DC. So I did the program and they had, it was in DC, it was at Georgetown and they had us meet with our members of Congress. So I remember this group of like 40, 50 girls. I was the only Republican. There was maybe one other girl, but more like establishment Republican type. And we're all sitting, I think it was in like Rayburn or Longworth House office building. We're sitting like this official meeting room and they have everyone go around the room and say who they look up to. <laughs> and to put you in the room, okay, some chick with like short hair, like, you know, the vibe, the purple hair, right, is like, says the name of someone, I forget who, and some other girl chimes in and goes, well, he supported redlining. So how could you like him? So that was like the vibe, okay? It was like, very, it was very, 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 very far left. And it was one of those moments where when they were getting closer to me, I was like, what do I say? Like Nancy Pelosi was probably the most popular name said. And, and again, you can disagree with me politically, but I think that the validation stuff applies across, you know, all stripes uh, of the political spectrum. And I was like, do I actually say who I look up to? Or do I say something just to go along to get along? And when they came to me, I was like, you know what? And Coulter, <laughs> and you could hear a pin drop in the room. There was people may know if you have a dedicated Twitter following audience. Charlotte Clymer at the time, he she they were was a dude, uh, but they now transitioned to become a, a woman. Uh, but she's like super out there, like really, really, really far left. And, and they were in the Rashid. He I don't know what to say, but they were in the room. And I remember they looked at me like I was. They probably gave you the death stare. Oh my gosh. I was like, I was like, I'm going to get shot or something. Um, but it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, I survived. And you know what? I spoke my truth. And while it may have been kind of, you know, that funny, uncomfortable moment of like, oh my gosh. But I'm so glad because if I hadn't done that and I would have just said, you know, Nancy Pelosi, or I would have said someone, you know, even in the South, Nikki Haley or something like for the rest, not for the rest of my life, I would have gotten over it. But like that evening, I know I would have looked back and been like, gosh, why did I say that? You know, why did I do that? Um, so that that was so even though it's you know silly anecdote, my takeaway from that was just be true to yourself. And I know it's yeah. maybe easier said than done, but it's it's worked 
pretty decently for me. So <laughs> that's awesome. So my uh, one of my final questions is to you this. You get to spend a lot of time with um, Steve Bannon, which I'm sure that the folks that are listening here are probably jealous of. So give <laughs> us a little give us a little peek under the hood. Tell us a story about him. Um, you know, you've alluded to that uh, he's a pretty awesome person. So give us a give us an inside scoop story on being able to work with him, you know, almost every day. Oh my gosh, he is just the absolute coolest person ever. I mean that. I feel like most people as they age, they sort of start to lose it. He gets smarter every day. And I seriously like <laughs> he makes connections with stories and timelines and everything that I don't even do. I'm like, oh my gosh, seriously. And he is just he works nonstop. I mean, he will text me stories at like 3 a.m. And then he's up at 6 a.m. It's crazy how how dedicated he is to this and his like niche nuanced takes, how he sees how all of this stuff overlaps. But I would say the two things that people probably like wouldn't really be able to tell is he's a total gossip. <laughs> like he loves talking. He loves to, I don't know if I can cuss on this, but shoot the S, you know yeah. what I mean? Um about everything um which is really fun and, and he's he's really he always he always knows what's going on um someone's it's like he's like a high school girl um he loves to, <laughs> like he's always asking like oh did you hear so and so um but he's also and i know this i'm i'm not paid to say this um but i truly mean this from the bottom of my heart like when i have had things come up either health stuff or even just like little things like you know something had happened and, and he was like Natalie just leave it's fine prioritize your safety like he is the most kind supportive and caring man that I seriously have I mean I think of him in some ways like a dad he's been so protective and supportive and kind towards me like I won't get into details about any of the specifics but mm -hmm. he is always the first person to offer his support, his help. However, he, anytime I call him with some, he is always, always, always there for me. And I think in politics, especially with such accomplished men or, and women, it's not a gender thing, but you know, you, you could get away with treating people really poorly. Like there are those, you know, hot tapes of all those Fox hosts, like yelling at you yeah. know, the staff, yelling at the writers. I just only want like, red Skittles. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, don't get me wrong. Steve will always yell. And, you know, as you can imagine, it's like, you know, a high stakes environment. But he's such a kind and supportive person. And our movement, there's no one like him in it. And his ability to, you know, create personalities on the show and really cultivate talent. And heck, give me a platform and a chance when I was a 19 year old girl and he had me on his show. You know what I mean? Like that, that shows you for all the people calling him a sexist and, you know, every name in the book, um, he let a 19 year old girl host his show, you know what I mean? And against people, I'm sure all the left wing media would say, oh, well, he still hates women, but he really is just, I mean, you could, I'm not usually at a loss for words, but he's, he's just such a genuinely kind, supportive, even when, when we do meet and greets, like I get overwhelmed. I'm like, this is so weird. I'm like, if you know who I am, you're in way too deep. Like, this is too much. But, and I, so I kind of tap out, which is bad, but I can only handle so much sometimes. He stays with everyone and talks yeah. to everyone. You know what I mean? Like he is so 
just so kind. He's, he's so uh, Natalie, any last minute thoughts here before we head out? Give us one more time where folks can find uh, your new clothing brand. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on. No, thank you so much for having me. I love doing interviews where I get to talk about things other than the collapse of America. It gets very depressing <laughs> after a while. We'll have to do another one of these where we talk about workout stuff because I love Pilates and I've nice. never done an interview where I've gone to talk about that and I could talk your ear off about that. Um, but you can go to she's so right.co to get all the merch, all the swag, hats, sweatshirts, tanks, tees, stickers, bumper stickers. If you're listening and you're part of the war room posse, we got some action, 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 signal, not noise and uh, no conspiracies, but no coincidences. Bumper stickers. Those are sayings that we use on the show quite a lot. Um, also shameless plug, but, for the guys, if you need a really, really, really good Valentine's Day gift, I would say she's so right.co is the place to go. Uh, not just because you aren't supporting woke companies that hate you, but the stuff's really cute and it's pink. It's perfect. Uh, like I said, I'm Natalie G. Winters on all platforms. And my final thoughts, I would say, are whatever you're thinking about doing, whether it's the podcast, the clothing line, asking that person out, whatever it is, just do it. Because the worst thing that happens, it doesn't go your way. That's a better feeling. At least you know the outcome than if you didn't actually do it and seize the moment. And you're a perfect example of that yourself, right? You started this podcast. You just did it. Human agency is such a cool thing. And we have control over our lives. So do what you want because it's going to make you happy. And rejection isn't that bad. I've learned that firsthand many times <laughs> over. <laughs> well, awesome. I really appreciate you joining us, Natalie. Folks listening in. Go to shesoright.co. We're going to put the link in the podcast description. Go check out the clothing. Go buy some. We're actually also going to be doing a giveaway. We're going to be giving away a shirt and a hat. So folks listening, yes. into, this, um, <laughs> listening into this video on Facebook, uh, if you like, comment, or share the post, we're going to enter, in, enter you into potentially winning a shirt and a hat. So go do that right now. Go like, comment, and share this Facebook post and take a friend, and we'll enter you to win a shirt and a hat from SheSoRight.co. Uh, Natalie, we wish you nothing but success. You're welcome back anytime. And until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska.